Welcome to the ADHD Open Space Podcast. My name is Gray Miller, and I will be your host and facilitator as we explore ideas, workarounds, accommodations, and other aspects of being a professional adult with ADHD. Most of this will come from my perspective as a cis white male in his mid-50s, living in the Midwest, who found out a year ago that I've been living with ADHD my entire life. I am not an expert on ADHD, except maybe in not knowing I've had it for half a century and somehow still getting by. But I promise to cite my sources, or at least admit when I'm repeating something I read on the interwebs. If I say anything you don't agree with, you are welcome to call me on it and let me know. This podcast is also part of the lead-up into the first ADHD open space happening in Madison, Wisconsin, on January 20th, 2024. You can learn more about that event both here in the show and at the website ADHDopen.space. The first 30 episodes of this podcast are also being released as part of National Podcast Post Month, not Pod Pomo. That means things might get a little rough, but it's going to be fun. Kind of like ADHD, right? Enjoy the show. Welcome to the 28th episode of... <laughs> so this is kind of a funny episode because at the moment that it is being released, which is 9 a.m. on November 30th, 2023, uh... It is going to be the 28th podcast in the month of November that I will have posted. There will be another one coming at noon on that same day and another one coming at 5 p.m. that same day, which will bring me up to 30, which is the 30 podcasts that I was hoping to uh, post in November. So, hey, I did the thing. Yay. But it's kind of interesting because I wanted these last two episodes before my big finish episode I want these last two episodes to be something that is happening in real time. And it's it's an interesting opportunity to go from a experience when I thought I might have ADHD to an experience when I know that I have ADHD and to see very specifically the way that it affected what happened. Now, what I'm talking about in vague terms, which is kind of silly is a yearly event that happens in Madison called Protospiel. It has nothing to do with ADHD. Uh, but Protospiel is a game designers and game testers convention. Uh, all it is is you go in, um, there's a game independent game production company here in Madison called The Game Crafter that sponsors it. And you go in and all there is is there's hot cocoa, a hot cocoa bar with toppings. There is a table full of old scraps from their workshop that you can just take and have. There's a whole bunch of tables. And you go to a table and there's some people sitting there, other game designers. And if they're on their badge, it says game designer. You say, so you got a game you want to play? And they say, yeah, I have this new game I want to test out. And you sit down and you play the game with them. And you talk about what it was like playing the game. And then somebody else at the table says, well, I have a game too. And you play that person's game and you test it out. And that's all you do for the whole weekend. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I should add, the day before this all starts, it starts on Friday, but the day before Thursday is a thing called CrafterCon. And that's where you get to learn about a whole bunch of aspects of independent game design. 
Uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing that tomorrow because last year I went to CrafterCon and oh my God, I fell in love. I was just, it was so amazing to sit there and learn and hear things about people who had gone from an idea to a Kickstarter to designing the games or uh, to, you know, designing and, and ending up making a living doing these games and creating these things. It was wonderful. Now, why was I at a game design convention? I never thought I was going to be at a game design convention. Well, here's what happened. Prior to this, so this is maybe a year and a half ago, I was really, really depressed. I was really down. I was really, uh, I had that type of depression where absolutely nothing feels like it brings you any joy. Not my grandkids, not my partner, not my hobbies, not my job. I was just I, I felt numb. I felt like there was nothing worth doing or anything. It all seemed very, very pointless. Um, and I was lucky that I had access to healthcare, and I believe in you know the power of therapy. And I got to talk to a VA uh, therapist and go through a program. And one of the parts of the program was he said, "Look, what did you do when you were a kid that you enjoyed? When you were, you know, what's the." What's the last time you remember doing something that was just for you, that you enjoyed for yourself, for itself, not because you were going to make money at it or get things like that? And I said, well, I liked Dungeons and Dragons because it's true. I, I was very into D&D back when it first came out. Um, well, almost when it first came out. I, I did have a red box edition for those of you who know D&D. I did um, have the original AD&D sets and I was very much a nerd. This is not back in you know in the time of geeks when geeks were cool i was a nerd i would eat lunch behind my dm screen at the uh in the cafeteria uh it was it was as nerdy as stranger things and worse um but uh i i did enjoy it and i did like playing those games and so he suggested i get into games and i had gone to another gaming convention called game hole con that also happens here in madison and at that convention, I had met a couple, an older couple, older than me, old retired couple, and they had designed this fun little game that involved like lighting matches with cards or whatever. We talked about the idea of game design, and I told them I had this weird idea for a card game that was based around a group of uh, burlesque or pinup models trying to put together photo shoots and trying to get the gear for it and stuff like that. And they said, sounds great. You should do it. I was like, I can't do that. That's I'm not a game designer. But that idea, that idea comes, and I'm going to talk about this. This is the idea monster. The idea monster had come, and it honestly planted that idea for that card game years before. I had managed to resist it. But he came to the front, and I finally, I, I talked to the therapist, and he's like, you know what? Why don't you, uh, why don't you try finishing that game? Just, just the one thing. Just focus on the one thing. Now, he's a VA therapist. He knows that my marine brain, if you say this is the mission, my marine brain is going to be like, must accomplish the mission no matter what. And so I dove into trying to put together this card game. And I got it into a playable prototype, and I played it with a friend of mine who has ADHD, hoping to have on the podcast at some point. And I played with another friend of mine who has ADHD, and I played with my partner, uh, and then I thought, you know what? I wonder if I could take this to Protospiel. And because it was coming up, I thought I could test by game with real people and people who don't know me. Because, you know, your your brain always goes, oh, you're my friend. You know, of course, you're going to 
telling my game is good or whatever, but then they did seem to enjoy it. So I went to Protospiel as a designer. I had the badge that said game designer, and I went to CrafterCon beforehand, and I, well, of course, learned a lot of things that I wish I had known before I made my first card game, but I also, you know, just basically really enjoyed the culture. I enjoyed the thought of it. Did you know that 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 they call the idea of a system within a game that will play against you an artificial intelligence? I mean, that's that's artificial intelligence out of paper and words. Love it. Anyway, so I was going to Protospiel, and I had my card game, my first, no, my second iteration of the card game, um, ready to be playtested. And for three days, I managed, I playtested it with people. And uh, for the most part, like, there was some things that worked and some things that didn't, which is exactly what you want to find out. And I had lots and lots of notes. I used Obsidian, by the way, to, uh, to plan out that game, in case you're wondering. You can go back and listen to the previous podcast. But let me tell you what happened on the last day. On the last day, by then I was I was into the swing of things. I was like not shy at all. I would just go, I'd sit down at a table with three complete strangers. Who's got a game? We pull out a game and we play it. And I sat down with these three guys. Now these are three guys who I don't think I would have necessarily talked to at any place else outside of the gaming convention. They were either a lot younger than me or they were from different groups or things like that. It, not the kind of people I would normally hang out with. But they all had games. And one had a really cool robot um, robot building and deconstruct. You had to build robots out of parts that people were throwing out. It was really fun. And we played that game and we gave a few suggestions and then we went to the next person. And the next person had um, a really fun little I can't remember exactly what the second person had it was a, it was a pretty fun game the third person was the one I really remember because he had a game that was uh like based around three blind mice and I mean this is one lesson I got from protospiel and you can read this on on my medium account if you want to maybe I'll repost it to substack on creative gray but you you can make a game out of anything out of anything and you'll hear some more about that to, in the next podcast because I and making a game out of ADHD. But in the meantime, I, uh, I, my, this guy made a very, it was, it was a fantastic game based around three blind mice. And you got, it was simple rules and it was exciting and it was fast. And I was just like, I was in awe. I was like, wow, these guys are really fun. And we were having a really good time. We played probably for a good two hours before we got to my game. And by this time, I not only liked these guys, but I also really respected them. I had played their games. And I knew they were good at what they did. And I thought, wow, this is this is good. I can't wait to hear what they think of, of Pinup. So I laid out my game boards for Pinup and I put out my things. And, and I'll be honest, Pinup is still, you know, was, at that point was still a little too complicated. And we started playing and they did not like it. They, I could see that they were bored. I could see that they were not engaged with it. They didn't really understand the metaphor, uh, which is probably because, like I said, I, I made this game, honestly, I made this game for the people in in the burlesque and pinup world. Like I made it for those, that, that community. And these VIs were not from that community. And so they really, I, I want to say they tore it apart. They didn't tear it apart. 
they gave it very valid criticisms and and suggestions about gameplay, but it was pretty overwhelmingly negative. And and here's the thing. I had had some negative and some positive throughout the previous part, but for some reason, that last critique, that last thing that they said when they were uh, when they were critiquing it, I uh, it hit me really hard, and I almost I managed to not you know burst into tears and storm off. I almost packed everything up and left the convention. Um, but I was like, nope, if I do that, I'm running away. I'm not going to do that. I did pack everything up, went off and found another game. Uh, interestingly, I found another game where the guy was sitting there looking over these beautiful cards that were laying out in this weird radial pattern. And he had this kind of stunned look on his face. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I just got some really good, but really scathing, like really valuable feedback, but there's a lot of work that I need to do to fix my game. And I, you could see that he had brought his baby here to this convention to show it off. And he was bringing it back battered and bruised. And I was like, I know exactly what you're feeling like. That's that's what I'm feeling like too. And we commiserated for a bit and I complimented him on the artwork. And I went off and played another game, at least one other game. And then I went home. And I put pinup into a box and I have not touched it since that time. I have not played it. I haven't altered it. I haven't done anything with it. And before that, I had been like, I had been telling my, my partner like, oh my God, this is so fun. I never knew game design was this awesome. I enjoyed the tedious part of putting the cards together in the Game Crafter web interface, and I enjoyed coming up with clever ideas, and I enjoyed the icons. The funniest thing is the only reason this game actually came into existence is because I wanted to learn how to draw pinups, and I figured just sitting there drawing them wouldn't be a good enough use. I had to make something out of it, so I was going to do it and draw Honestly, the funniest thing is that I never actually got around to drawing because in game design, art is the last thing you do. You figure out the game mechanics and then you do the rest. So I put away this thing that I had loved doing, this thing that I really, really enjoyed, and I put it on the shelf and didn't touch it. Why did I do that? Well, let me tell you, this is not the only time this has happened. Um, there was a point, I, I am friends with a, uh, a science fiction writer that you may have heard of, Ferret Steinmetz. Um, he has written, you can look him up, he's written some really, really fun books. I really enjoy them. Um, and he uh, he had, he's a, a good friend of mine. We just struck up friendships in various ways. And... I told him at one point that I was trying to write a fiction piece. You, I've written lots and lots of nonfiction. I've even written a few fiction books that weren't really that great. Um, but I wanted to write an actual science fiction story. And so I poured my heart into this science fiction story, sort of a near future cyberpunk, sort of queer friendly, non-binary interface. Interestingly enough, it also involved creating a game, a uh, uh, kind of a cross between Tinder and BattleBots, I think would be the way to look at it. 
um, or laser tag, not laser tag, paintball. Paintball and Tinder crossed together with, you know, cyberpunk stuff. I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. I liked the interface and things like that. And I polished it up as much as I could and I sent it to him. And here's the thing. Farad gave me some really valuable insight. Not even all of it that I agreed with, but he was like, you know, he 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 took the time. This person who is an award-winning author took the time to put his, you know, give me this feedback. And I I read his feedback and every criticism felt like a punch in my chest. And I put the manuscript away and I have not touched it since. This was, I think, probably six or seven years ago. For another thing since then, but not that one, haven't touched that one, haven't revised it, haven't picked it up again, not at all. So why have I done this? Why have I taken things that I enjoyed, things that I loved doing, things that I loved creating, and then when I get some feedback that I that doesn't feel good, why do I suddenly end up putting them away and not doing it? Well, let me tell you, I would have said it was because I was thin-skinned or because I couldn't handle criticism, which is kind of weird. I mean, I made it through the Marine Corps. Believe me, I can handle criticism. But it turns out there's a thing in ADHD, which you have, half of you have already, more than half of you have already figured out what I'm going to say. Rejection sensitivity dysphoria, or RSD for short. Now, this isn't an official disorder, okay? It, it's not been proven. You don't get a special extra merit badge on your ADHD tabard when you get RSD. But it generally, let's listen to the, uh, the definition. And this is from Psychology Today, uh, June 8th, 2021. And uh, it's, first of all, RSD is not automatically with ADHD, but it often coexists with it. And people who have RSD are extremely sensitive to criticism, often holding on to negative words or actions made towards them for months or even years. Yeah. And, and in the article, there's all kinds of things. Uh, you know, do you ever feel so devastated by the criticism from a friend, teacher, boss, relative or coworker that you keep repeating what they said to you over and over? Is it really tough for you to rebound after feeling left out by your friends or saying something you regret? Hi there. My name's Gray. You don't know me. <sighs> yes. Um, when I read about this, I realized that was what had happened, that I had let these comments, because I promise you, these guys who critiqued my game, they want me to do to make the game. It's not that they were trying to crush my spirit and keep me out. It's amazing how non-gatekeepy the the game design or in the indie game design groups here are. Um, but yeah, I I did not do it. And they they were. It's not them. It was definitely me. It's not you. It's me. And Ferret has told me, like I, I've told Ferret that, you know, this is what happened after he gave me that critique and he was horrified. He said, that's the last thing I wanted. I want you to write this story. I didn't want, you know, if he, he said if he had known that that was going to be the result of him giving me that critique, he would not have read the story because that's that, why would I put that on him? Of course not. Um, yeah, so if the signs of RSD are things like struggling with low self-worth or self-esteem, 
being easily embarrassed or ashamed, be quick to anger or blow up when perceiving rejection or getting hurt by someone, setting high expectations that are difficult to meet, experiences social anxiety and relationship challenges, sees themselves as a failure when they disappoint others, may consider self-harming behaviors or anticipate rejection in new situations. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, and that's all me, uh, because let's face it, I mean, I'm putting out a podcast here where I have uh, bared my soul to everyone and also talked extensively about a subject that I admittedly have no expertise in particularly. So how could I possibly have a low self-esteem or be easily embarrassed or ashamed? Well, I'll be honest, there's a couple of things going on. A lot of these things that I don't show are things that are masking. And masking is an entirely different subject. Basically, it means that, especially in late-diagnosed people, we've had to figure out how to get along in spite of things because you know, it's just a matter of survival. And the way we do it is by basically not faking it till you make it, but faking it until you can get away from the situation and go somewhere where you don't have to fake it anymore. So, no, I am not easily embarrassed or ashamed, um, at least not publicly. Like, I can stand in public speaking. I, I have done performances in various ways that, um, shall we say, uh, would normally embarrass a lot of people, uh, most people. But I'm not embarrassed by those things. What am I embarrassed by? I'm embarrassed um, by the fact that I don't have a high credit rating. I'm embarrassed by the fact that I um, have been divorced twice. Okay? Uh, there's the relationship challenges. Do I have social anxiety? You know the old saying about how introverts will seem like extroverts because that's kind of how they mask, but then they get tired and they need to recharge? That's more what it's like. I don't have social anxiety when I first go into something, but I can tell you that, for example, I was just at a board meeting today where I'm a board member, and there's definitely was a voice inside my head telling me that everybody else on that board wishes I wasn't there and thinks that I'm a poser and I don't know what I'm doing and I, I was late on one particular thing that we had done and I, I apologize for being late and someone pointed out that there wasn't really a timeline that had been just a projection and I, in my head, I'm like, well, of course she's saying that, but really they're all going to talk about how disappointed they were in me. Now, I don't rationally think that any of this is actually happening. Okay, they aren't like that. They're they're very nice people, but um, that's what my voice tells me. Uh, for many years, uh, for many years, I didn't have a boss. Okay, uh, and at, at most, I had an investor that I, I had to deal with, um, or I I had a chairman of the board while I was the boss. But when I did start working again in situations where I worked for someone. And this still happens today. I go into every single meeting that is like a one-on-one -on -one or a board meeting or something with a little voice in my head saying, well, this is it. This is where they uh, tell you what a crappy job you've been doing and you're going to get fired. Even this podcast, okay, I have at this point, like I said, this is the 28th podcast I've done in the, um, in the month of November, which is pretty dang good. Um, it's more podcasts than on some entire podcast that have taken years. I mean, it's like, what, five British 
sitcoms or series. Uh, little inside joke there for people that like British TV. Anyway, um, and I look at the numbers and I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I see that my friends have subscribed to this, but I still think, oh, you know, not can really happen. So I don't mean to b belabor the fact that our, I'm saying that RSD is real. That being said, it does not mean that it can't be overcome. Now, in this uh, Psychology Today, they actually have some strategies, and there's a lot of different strategies you can find out there. I'm not going to go deeply into it. But um, some of them I find really not useful. Uh, like one of them is called Q-Tip, which stands for Quit Taking It Personally. Uh, and I'm like, well, gee, thanks. I'll, I'll do that. I'll just, I'll just stop taking it personally. You know, um, now I'm not saying it's not possible to adjust that and to adjust your reaction, but it's not as simple as just not taking it personally. Um, it is a matter of managing big feelings effectively is another one. And they also talk about planning and posting self-talk phrases, which does not work for me at all. There's actually research that has indicated that for at least a good amount of population, affirmations do not work. In fact, they are counterproductive. Don't like affirmations. But I do like a couple of these other things. One of the, the very first one is reinforce your strengths, um, which I tend to think of as kind of like, get back up on the damn horse and, you know, get back in there and, and do something, you know, that thing that you enjoy or, or think about what did you really, did you really do this to try and impress people? Or did you do this because it was fun? Did you do this because it was meaningful to you? Am I doing this podcast because I think I'm going to make a zillion dollars from a membership, which is difficult to do when your Substack is free? Um, or because I'm going to, you know, make a whole huge pile of money at the open space when we do that in January? No, uh, the open space is priced in a way that just pays for expenses. Um, that, you know, there's not, there's not really a big thing on that, but yeah, playing to my strengths. My strengths are, I like doing podcasts, as you may tell, like, like talking to a mic. I enjoy organizing events. I enjoy doing open spaces and you know what else? I enjoy game design. And that's why, uh, about half an hour ago at the time of the release of this podcast, uh, I walked in to Protospiel 2023 here in Madison. And you know what? I walked in with two new games, at least the ideas of games. I don't know if I'm going to have the entire games done, but I have two ideas for games, neither of which is pinup. Will I come back to pinup? I don't know. I'm not quite ready for that yet. But here's the thing. I knew that I loved game design, and I found that the idea monster came back to me and gave me more ideas. You heard some of them actually in my interview with uh, Nadia Vanilla earlier in the month. Um, and I'm bringing a game that was inspired by her art and um, going to be hopefully playtesting that. Actually, I know I'll be playtesting that one because those pieces are done. Might be playtesting an entire game about ADHD, which I will talk about in the next episode of this podcast. So if you're interested in that, feel free. But mainly, here's the thing. I am going back to that thing that I love because at the time, I didn't really understand why those big emotions were coming, why that was hitting me that way. 
I wasn't as familiar with this concept of RSD as I am now. And now I'm kind of pissed off at it. Okay, this is one of those things that makes you mad at the ADHD. Uh, one of the reasons I wouldn't call it a superpower. Because I could have spent a year enjoying myself working on games, but I let the RSD tell me that I wasn't uh, wasn't worth it, that I had done something that wasn't worth keeping on doing. So I guess the lesson we learned from this, aside from the fact that RSD is real, is just that, you know, you should get back on the horse, you know, sit down again at the easel, pull up the word processor, grab the keyboard, whatever, whatever your medium is. And there's going to be people to reject it. So don't sit down figuring you're going to write a masterpiece. Don't even sit down thinking you're going to write a story. Just sit down to write. Don't think you're going to make the next big game. Just play around with ideas for games, you know, and see what happens. That's kind of the lesson I learned. And that, to me, is the best, most effective way to get past RSD. Now, I have been trying to take things back into, you know, externalizing things. So I will tell you a couple of ways that I have gotten over in the professional world the RSD attacks for the um, things at, in meetings, okay? Uh, what I do is I just make sure I am hella prepared, okay? I make sure that I have set aside on my calendar before a meeting, I set aside time to prep for the meeting. I show up at the meeting with every document. I show up with a Notion thing that has lots of different aspects to it, different um you know, documents, PDFs, tables, graphs, Google Docs, whatever I, whatever's relevant, anything that the person might ask for in the meeting, I've got it at my fingertips. Not because it makes me feel more prepared. Okay. I'm still thinking it's going to be rough, but at least I, I have this feeling that if I can look organized, if I have all this information available and answer the questions that they ask, that you know that'll that'll get past it'll it'll sort of distract them from the the negative things now again these negative things are just imaginations but it makes me feel more prepared if i come to the meeting with these things set um it also helps to not give myself affirmations but actually do the opposite i do the what's the worst that could happen you know what's the worst thing that could happen I end up losing my job. Okay, well, what's the worst thing that happens after you lose your job? Well, um, I can't pay my mortgage and I lose my house. And okay, so you lose the house. Then what? Well, I'll be homeless on the street in a box. No, I'm not actually going to do that. Is that very likely? No, I have, I have four daughters. I have uh, parents, many friends. Um, and and a girlfriend with her own house that she has. I mean, there's the odds of me being homeless are very, very slim. I'd have to really, really mess up to do that. Now, that's my own privilege. So that's a way to, you know, the catastrophizing. But honestly, there, there, are, there are a lot of ways that most people who are listening to this podcast, I think, um, can sort of go down that catastrophizing road and get to the point where it's like, you know what? If I am... Ending up sitting in a shelter 
Well, I live in Madison, and that's a place that has pretty good accommodations for the homeless and programs to help out. And I have, you know, different places to, we have a good library system, we have different services available. And uh, if worse comes to worse, really, there's a safety net here. Now, it's not the same way everywhere, I know. But by going through that path in my head, it helps me kind of come into the meeting being like, yeah, you know what? I already know what the worst thing that can happen is going to be, and I'm ready for it. And then the worst thing doesn't ever happen. Like, it's not going to happen. They don't actually hate me at my job. Uh, it's just my RSD, uh, the little brother of ADHD, that's making me feel that way. Uh, and it can happen in little ways, too. Just this morning, I was talking with my partner and I said, wow, my brain's telling me that you are pissed off at me and annoyed at me and really upset. And she pointed out that she had not slept well, or not, not that hadn't slept well, that she had accidentally locked the cat in the closet overnight um, and was feeling bad about that and that that was making her have her own little I'm a bad cat mom kind of feeling. None of which is true. We have a wonderful orange cat that occasionally gets the single brain cell that all orange cats share. Uh, just that was not his night. So anyway, I am I am at this point babbling, and um, that's because I have a whole other podcast to do tonight. So I hope if you deal with RSD that uh, you have your own strategies for it. I hope that maybe you got some ideas from what I talked about there. Um, I also hope that you listen to the next podcast where I talk about the game that I'm taking to Protospiel tomorrow. Um, the working title is ADHD, The Scattering. Uh, and most of all, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this journey. And I will see you in the comments. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ADHD Open Space Podcast. Again, my name is Gray Miller. If you have any comments or questions about the show, you can feel free to leave them on the podcast page at adhdos.substack.com forward slash podcast. Or you can email me directly, gray, G-R-A-Y, at adhdopen.space. The background music for the intro and outro are from pixabay.com and are called Funny Days Together by Background Music Lab, used under a YouTube content ID license.